When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to the Arsenal Way. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Arsenal Agenda series. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. I'm joined by Bailey. How are you doing, mate? You good? I'm good, TC. How are you? Very good. Very good indeed. Chris, how are we? No, very well. Thank you, TC. Good morning to you. Good morning to Bailey. Good uh, good morning to everyone tuning in. I hope everyone's well. Mm, absolutely. Uh, yeah, one day to go until a very important game. Although we have been saying that about the last three games, it didn't seem to make much of a difference. Hopefully... We can put in a much better performance against Chelsea, although the challenge ahead of us is certainly a lot trickier uh, than our last three games. We'll have to wait and see. We'll have, obviously, Mikel Arteta's press conference for you on the channel, so you'll be able to watch that back. Make sure you're subscribed and turn those notifications on so you don't miss out on that juicy content. Uh, We kick off today, however, with more chat about Alexandra Lacazette. It has sparked quite a response Yesterday, uh, I wrote a piece uh, on Football.London, which was effectively an open letter to Lacazette, which certainly criticised some of the words that he said in that interview and the timing of that interview, but ultimately championed him to, you know, come back and leave the club in a way in which, you know, he's responsible for hopefully helping Arsenal back into the European elite competition. Bailey, where do you sit on this? You, when we asked you about this the other day, you were frustrated at his comments. Uh, are you still feeling equally as frustrated? Yeah, it was just bad timing. I think there was no need for it, Lacazette. I was just, I was just really disappointed because I think Lacazette was one of the players in the squad, one of the older players in the squad that the fans really respected and they liked. And uh, he didn't have to put in a 10, 10 out of 10 performance event, but they, we were grateful for the passion he'd show and like, the celebrations when he'd score. You could tell he cared about the team, he cared about the results. So to completely almost throw that out the window with this interview and lie about that and say, I want to play... Champions League football, I, like it's it's almost it was like a stab in the back almost because we had a, I felt like we had a good a good connection a good relationship and we've gone and done that when we need. Are we you. still talking about Lacazette, man. <laughs> <laughs> still talking about Lacazette because we need Lacazette. I've said this. I remember when the we was doing a match predictor on our lineups etc for the game against Southampton. I said Lacazette is crucial and he still is. So it's really disappointing that he wanna yeah really hamper our chances because I think it will do if we Lacazette doesn't play. Bye bye to top four. Most definitely. Yeah, I no, I think there's a, I think there's going to be a frustration from fans certainly um, that it's going to come through in the coming days and weeks and towards the end of the season, of course, as well, which will be shown by obviously the lack of goals that he scored so far. If that continues, there'll obviously be more frustration. But I mean, Chris, does he even play for you anymore? Because I know there's some people saying that he shouldn't play now. His head's clearly not in the space of, you know, an Arsenal player that's trying to push us towards Champions League football. But yeah, it's uh, it's a frustration. And I think it's one that we'll all have an internal debate about. But where would you sit about playing him again? Well, I think it's a good question. I think and the, the same also applies for someone like Eddie Nketiah, who, you know, is also set to leave at the end of the season. We know various reports have, have said that um, we've offered him new deals or a new deal, but that's been pushed back by the player. 
Um, so clearly his sort of head and his heart isn't isn't really with the football club um, and he's not looking to sort of stay beyond June. So again, that's another concern for me. And I think we, when we talk about Lacazette and who starts ahead of him, who plays as that centre-forward moving forward between now and the end of the season, then I've been saying for the last couple of weeks now that Gabriel Martinelli deserves a shot. Obviously, we know he's he's committed to the club. He's got a long term contract here. He's he, he brings lots of different qualities to the to the table and to the team. And we know again he's he can be lethal. He can be a really good finisher in front of goal. And I just think he's got a bit more um, a threat about him than than Lacazette at the moment. Um, and he will continue to to improve as a player because he's young. Um, and uh, because we know he's going to be at the club, hopefully for you know many more years to come it's more beneficial, in my opinion, to be playing someone like Martinelli, who we know is committed and who we know is going to be at the club. So um, I, I, I wouldn't be against starting Gabriel Martinelli away at Chelsea up front uh, and, and keeping Lacazette and Nketiah out, out of the starting eleven. Um, you know, obviously we're lucky enough to have some some great depth in those those sort of wide areas, especially so Smith Rowe and, and, and Saka can can sort of play out, out wide. We've got Martin Odegaard in that attacking midfield position. Um, so I've got no concerns about that and I wouldn't mind seeing it at all. Um, the thing with the Lacazette quote to me is it's not so much the the whole Champions League side of it. We know any player, is their, their ambition is to play the top, you know, top level in European football. And that's the, the way for Champions League. We know that. And I'm sure every single Arsenal player would come out and say, yeah, of course I want to play in the Champions League. You know, it's been a while since I played there or never played in it before. We want to be back there, etc. I think that... The, the the thing that really got me is that he's he's come out and said that he's he's in talks with a lot of clubs, and again that just you know reiterates my point just then that we're relying on a striker who's scored I think six goals in all competitions this season. He scored he's, he's failed to score more than fourteen Premier League goals ever since he arrived at the club. You know we're relying on this guy to at least help get us or help us achieve the UEFA Champions League qualification this season. And then on top of the below-par performances from him, he's obviously come out and he said that he's in talks with a lot of clubs to, to you know, to join come the summer. How is his his head and his heart, how is he fully focused on Arsenal Football Club if all of that is going on behind the scenes? You know, this is a, a striker that we're relying on, you know, after... Mm. You know, getting rid of Pierre Aubameyang in, in January to you know help us achieve Champions League football to score the goals for us every single week, and I mean when you look at his performances and his lack of goal contributions, um, and that sort of bit of, um, you know of the the dry patch he's going through at the minute, you can tell that his head's not fully in it. Maybe his focus isn't fully there. You can tell he's a player whose contract is running out um, and he's set to leave in June. You can tell he's someone who is speaking to various different clubs about, about his future. So that's the frustrating part for me. And I think it's poor from the, the club, you know, to, to, you know, allow it to get to this stage really, because ultimately we're, you know, we're fighting for Champions League qualification. We're fighting for top four place. Um, and, you know, we've got two strikers, let alone one that, you mm. know, are set to depart in the summer and their, their heads just clearly aren't with us at the moment. And if their heads aren't with us, I mean, it's does this fall on the manager at the end of the day, Bailey? Because you know we've had the opportunity to sign a replacement in January, um, and it's what Arsenal fans are pointing towards is that we didn't go out in that January window and bring in a replacement for a Bamiang, and so we've left ourselves in a race for the top four with two strikers that have six months left on their deal, 
Nketiah's not scoring goals and his head has always been, you know, with his mind on leaving. He's rejected numerous contract offers and now this Lacazette situation. So whilst we can be frustrated at Lacazette, rightly, for, you know, this this interview, and I think that it is fair to be frustrated by it. I'm not going to, you know, no one's flying off the handle about this and well, I say no one, only some people are flying off the handle about this and throwing insults in Lacazette's direction. But there is certainly blame, in my view, to be pointed towards, again, the lack of preparation and taking the advantage of the situation and gambling the end of the season. Look, where I blame Arteta 100%, 1000%, is his support for Eddie and Ketio. I will never, ever <laughs> yeah. understand it. TC, I remember I came to this channel around October and I was saying this, and I was saying Arteta has got something with Ketio. I don't know what is, what is it. I don't know why he admires him so much. I don't know what he sees in him. And it's still... To this day, Enketa is not signing a new contract. Clearly, he's rejected. He's it's been widely widely reported that he's rejected a new contract. Mm. So why is he still in the team? What does he offer? Which Martinelli or Pepe up front can't, or Balogun on loan at Middlesbrough can't. What is he offering that Enketa is? That's what I don't understand. And you really come out of the Johnny transfer window thinking that Eddie Enketa is a suitable backup for Alexander Lacazette when Arsenal chasing the elite competition in Europe. Really? Let's look. Let's look at this. Alexandre Lacazette and Ketia, Ronaldo, Cavani, Alexandre Lacazette and Ketia, Harry Kane, Hugh Mingson. There's just no comparison. I don't know how you could come out of the January trans window and you're determined to get Champions League football and you think those two strikers will be able to propel us in, especially if Lacazette is not fit. Lacazette, we can maybe, maybe we can fight for it, but Eddie and Ketia as our starting striker, not a chance. But I think Arteta admires him so much that he will continue to start when Lacazette is not there. I just don't know what he sees in him. The open play goals in the Premier League is proof that we won't, he won't put us into the top four. So if Arteta deserves blame, it's his support for Enketia for me. I think the Lacazette situation is unfortunate. I think any manager will be disappointed in Lacazette. However, that shouldn't mean that he shouldn't reintegrate Lacazette into the side. You see Thomas Tuchel of Romelu Lukaku. Romelu Lukaku literally said, and when Chelsea were in a good moment, literally came out and said, OK, I'm not happy. I want to go back to Inter. He saw that situation out. Now, I want to see Arteta's man management skills. I don't want him to see him usher out Lacazette when we need him. I want to see him come out with a solution rather than a, rather than a, uh, okay, let's just get rid of him. No, let's get Lacazette back into the team. Let's get him back on board because we're going to need him. We want to get Champions League football. Lacazette is needed. And let's be honest, we do have to get him back in. So Arteta, please sweat out of Lacazette, get him back in and let's, let's push together for top four players. There's rumours again circulating that supposedly wasn't in training, Chris, yesterday again. Um... I, you know, I'm one who loves conspiracy theories. Uh, I do, I do enjoy them. I do love seeing theories, especially fan theories as well. But is there? Am I reading too much into something when Mikel Arteta in the press conference ahead of the Southampton game described Lacquer's absence as due to personal reasons, and then it's confirmed at the weekend that he tested positive for COVID um, and that he's not well. He's still not trained. Obviously, if it is COVID, he could still be testing positive, which is fair enough. But if, it, if it's COVID, then why didn't he say he's ill? Why did he say personal reason? Is Am I reading too much into that or is there something to be said about it? Well, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, Arteta is speaking again later today, isn't he? Around one o'clock, I think, um, if, if I remember correctly. So it'll be interesting to see what he says. Absolutely. I mean, um, we've seen before, haven't we, that which I find weird personally because COVID is, you know, it's here now, it's in our lives, it exists. We all know what it is. We all know what it consists of. Um, 
So I, I find it a bit, a little bit bizarre that the clubs and managers still refer to it as personal reasons or private matters. And then literally like a couple of days later, when it's it's the, the game day, they'll come out and confirm that, oh, he's, he's got COVID. Um, uh, so it, we've seen it before, haven't we? Where where I think even Arteta said that you now we can't really comment on that too much at the moment. It's personal reasons, blah, blah, blah. And then a couple of days later, he's confirmed to have COVID. We, we've seen it with a couple of other players um, this season and obviously a club, a few other clubs in the Premier League. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. But then last night I went onto social media to see that Lacazette was spotted out in London having having dinner. So I, I don't know what what to think. Um, apparently he had some pasta. Um, I hope I hope he had a, a good night out. But um, do we know if that picture was last? I mean, it, it could so easily yeah. be taken oh, yeah. ages ago. That, <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, uh, you know, it's important. It's an important thing to, to clarify. And again, I'm sure someone who will be in, in the uh, in the press conference room later on with Arteta will probably um, point that out to him. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, look, who knows? But like I say, we'll have to see what Arteta says later on today. But yeah, I mean, look, uh, it, it, it makes you think, doesn't it? It makes you wonder, you know, and, and takes us back to the whole Aubameyang thing and when when players have maybe spoke spoken out before things have gone on behind the scenes and there's I don't know there's been there's been a disagreement along the lines you know we we, we brought it up yesterday didn't we when we were speaking um us three um off stream that uh you know um <laughs> are they just I don't know are the club sort of just maybe um dropping him and keeping things a little bit hush because of the interview and they knew they knew about it in advance they knew it'd be be coming out and into the public domain who knows you know there's so many possibilities there um and like UTC I like going into sort of conspiracy theories myself and and you know trying to dig things out but um it, it remains to be seen doesn't it? it's obviously it wouldn't be right for us to speculate um because that is what it is right now it's just speculation and like I say we'll have to see what Arteta says in his press conference later today We move on to the possibility of a replacement for Lacazette Bailey. And one player that continues to be linked with Arsenal is Paolo Dybala. He's out of contract to the end of the season. Uh, 28-year-old, turns 29 in November. Scored plenty of goals for Juventus during his time there. He's a more experienced forward than some of the others that we've been linked to. Does he tickle your fancy? Not as a direct replacement for Lacazette. No, I don't think he should be the main striker to come in and suddenly we rely on Paolo Dybala. I don't think that's... Don't think that's would you possible. not say that a direct replacement for Aubameyang would be the main striker? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, Aubameyang. Even so, as to come in, a striker to come in as a as a main as a main striker shouldn't be Dybala. Uh, I wouldn't be completely against it if they did sign, let's say, a Fita or Simhen. Pray, let's pray. And uh, Dybala came in maybe behind him. I wouldn't be completely against that. I'll be open to that, but I'll be completely against Dybala coming in as the as the only striker. I think we need to spend money on a, on a new striker. So on a contract, a player whose contract is not expired, we need to take it seriously. Maybe someone a bit younger as well can come in and dominate for a few years. I think we've signed strikers in the past, like Aubameyang, who are over the age where they can come in for a good five to six years. I think we need that. So let's let's aim for a striker amongst that that mode rather than a Paolo Dybala. Maybe as a backup, as I said, I wouldn't be against that. Chris? Um, I like him. I think he's a great player and obviously he's established himself at a very high level over the last few years. He's obviously got that big move from Palermo to, to Juventus several years back. I know we were, we were sniffing around him at the time as well. Um, with Arsene Wenger still here and, um, he seemed like he was a, a big fan of him. 
And, um, well, I mean, he was one of the most obviously promising, most highly rated forwards in the game. And um, I think he's had a few injury problems over the last few seasons. Maybe he hasn't been as consistent as he, as he used to be. But um, there's still a very good player, still a very talented player there who can score goals, who provides assists, who, you know, who keeps things ticking moving forward. And, and there's always a threat. Obviously, we know he's uh, versatile. He can play sort of as a centre forward, um, sort of maybe just in behind the striker. He's played obviously on the flanks before as well. So um, obviously that that bodes well with what we 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 want in this team. We need we need added squad depth absolutely as well as as well as quality. Um, but I think as Bailey Bailey said, there, I think it makes a good point. Is he is he sort of the person to come in and take over from Aubameyang and be that sort of regular starter every week who can score us twenty you know twenty five thirty plus goals every season? I'm not so sure. Um, I think it'd be a great option to have on the bench and rotate or, you know, like I say, not just necessarily in that centre-forward role, but in other um, positions going forward. And I think, as, as Bailey also said there, you know, maybe someone like Victor Ozerman or, or Darwin Nunes to come in as sort of that main primary um, primary centre-forward to, to replace Aubameyang, um, I think would, would, would work very, very well. And that's probably the, the best route to go down. So, um, you know, not completely against it. Um, obviously, a, a good you know, option to have going into the summer transfer window to so certainly be considered at least. Um, but I don't think he'd be the, the main man to come in and, and lead our lead our front line next season. I I mean, I have a slightly different take on it, actually. I, I wouldn't mind the idea of bringing him in, just not on his own, uh, is my view on it. I think that if you sign, say, a Victor Ozyman or, a, you know, a, a Darwin Nunez and signs, you know, Dybala as well, I think that as a combination works quite well. You... There's more. The more I think about it, the idea of bringing in a 22 or 23 year old forward to join a group of 22 and 23 year olds in the squad, you know, there's benefits to it in the sense that yeah, you've got lots of years of potential and progression, and if they're performing at this age, imagine what they could do in three, four, five years time or whatever. But there is an element of Arsenal needing to have quality now, improvement now, and also players to look up to. You know, a 22-year-old striker having Paolo Dybala as a 28, 29-year-old there to work alongside, there's a lot of benefits to that. Dybala's versatility as well, I think, would really help Arsenal can play in a wider position, not just through the middle, can play off of the striker as well. He would cost a lot in terms of wages, and don't get me wrong, that's something that in the past has, has harmed us, but... I don't think it would break the wage structure. I think he's on about 200, 220,000 pounds per week at the moment at Juventus, which would obviously make him alongside party our most expensive player. But when you consider again, his age, where he's playing at, what his level is, that probably falls in line with what you would imagine to pay for someone like Dybala. So I, I wouldn't be against the idea of Dybala coming in, but I would be against the idea of it just being him. I think that Arsenal need to push for two forwards anyway because we've lost to Bamiyang. We're going to be losing Lacazette and Nketiah. Balogun I'd like to see come back and, and kind of be that third striker if we're not going to send him on loan or that there is these rumours about Fulham circulating at the moment. But I would like to see him come back and be given minutes off the bench and in the Europa League and in the cup games, etc. So we can start bedding him in so that when Dybala, say, gets in three years' time, so that age where he's going to move on, you've got Balogun as a ready-made replacement for him to gradually or even maybe early if he can usurp him from the team. That's always an, uh, a possibility. You've seen that with Saka and Pepe. You've spent £72 million on this guy. Saka's come through the youth ranks and replaced him. So it's it's something I would be open to, but not on his own. Um, questions from the chat box. We're going to take a couple before we wrap up. Um, Vinny says, if Burnley go down, would you still consider Veghorst as a different option? You could also sign Dybala plus 
that type of striker. Uh, no, not for me. Uh, it was a January option only for six months. That was the only thing I was interested in. I sense you're agreeing, Bailey, there. Yeah, yeah. I think he's only scored two goals as well since since January. So. For Burnley. For Burnley, <laughs> but still, still, he's Burnley played to his strengths, I think. Yeah, they expected more from him, but yeah, as only have said, strengths. Is this something they do? They do have strengths. <laughs> I mean, it suits red course, surprisingly enough. What they did on the dash, anyway. but yeah, I'm with you. January option only. I would have taken him in January, but not not the summer. Chris, yeah, no, totally, totally agree with both of you there. January option only. Um, it would have been obviously a decent stopgap option to to just boost our front line between now and the end of the season. Um, and we we know, we know he's obviously um physically strong. He, he's got obviously a um good instinct and can be clinical in front of goal. Um, I would add, would have added something different, absolutely. But um, yeah, not the profile we need to be targeting in the summer. Schrodinger's Cat Flat, one of our favourite name listeners, says uh, Cadiz beat Barcelona yesterday. In fact, not only did Cadiz beat them, but a former Arsenal striker, Lucas Perez, scored the goal to beat Barcelona last night. Bamian came off the bench in the 60th minute, wasn't able to change things. Chris, uh, a lot was made about this on social media. <laughs> uh, I know where you're going with this. And obviously, I think there's an example that anything can happen in football and you can even have a Bamiang in your team and it doesn't mean you're going to win all the games you're expected to win. It was kind of the narrative that was being circulated. Is that a fair narrative to circulate after that performance and victory? Well, look, we, we know um, we know Aubameyang is a is a great player, you know, and he scored lots of goals for us. And I, obviously, I'm not going to go into too much um, depth here with the whole Aubameyang discussion. Should we sell him? Blah blah blah, or should we have let him go? Um, but but look, you know, it is what it is. It happened due to various reasons. Um, we all know why. Um, and uh, look, you know, I, I've still got a lot of respect for for the player um, and for what he did for us. So like I say, he scored plenty of goals. He was our top scorer over the last few years. Um, we know he can be clinical in front of goal. He has been, you know, for the large parts of his career um, at, at Dortmund, at Arsenal. And um, obviously, you know, despite going for a bit of a tricky patch at the end, he's, he's still proving his quality in Spain with Barcelona. And I'm not surprised to see that. But you know, he's still only human. He's, you know, he's not invincible. He's, he's not going to score every, every single week. Um, and that was, that was proven again yesterday. And um, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting to see that who scored the goal, Lucas Perez. Um, obviously remember his time at Arsenal, probably not for all the right reasons, but um, yeah, it, it was quite funny. I saw a lot of um, sort of tongue in cheek comments on Twitter last night saying, oh, maybe we should sign, Lucas Perez, does that mean we, sh- we shouldn't have let him go and blah, blah, blah. Um, so, yeah, it was it was quite funny. Um, but, um, no, nah, look, we, we need to move on for Aubameyang now. Look, we've got, a, obviously, um, crucial time ahead now with, with, between now and the end of the season. Um, obviously, I would do absolutely, probably I'd absolutely do everything to, to have him in the team at the moment with how things are going. And, and obviously, based on the form of Lacazette and, and, and Nketiah, it does make the, the decision to let him go even more questionable than it already was, especially without bringing anyone else in. I agree. Um, but it is what it is. We move on. We focus on the rest of the season. Then we uh, we look to bring in a replacement in the summer. Yeah. Bailey, is it where you're sitting on this as well? Look, yeah, I, I hate this narrative, man. I hate this narrative. I saw the comments, ah, oh, here we go. Look, <laughs> the only, 
for me, it's not even a Bamyang. It's it's the Xavi and and the Arteta comparisons. People were learning, mm. they were on Xavi's back, loving Xavi, saying how oh, look how Xavi how quickly turn around and Arteta is doing this and yeah, and yeah. that football changes, man. Is it football changes? That's how it is. Xavi will have his ups and downs. He's a young manager, just like Arteta. He's doing the same thing. You have one of results where you're like, wow, what a manager. Then you have a couple of results where you're like, hmm. And it's a young manager. That's what happens. Arteta and Xavi will do the same. And whether Aubameyang is in your team or not, your team will lose. And sometimes your team will win. So, Yeah, the Barcelona thing really does get on my nerves because there's such, such straight comparisons that often try to be made between the two clubs. Taking Barcelona from, what, 8th, ninth, 10th in La Liga to, you know, into the top four and joint with, I think they're joint on points now with fourth place Atletico Madrid on 60. Like, it's... It, to do that with a, that Barcelona side in that team and after the signs that you've been made and after you've been backed in January like that is such an easier task than to try and take Arsenal into the top four in the Premier League. It's it's barely comparable, barely comparable at all between the level of difficulty between the two. And to be honest, I have no qualms in saying that if Arteta was in charge of this Barcelona side that you know he would improve that side as well. It's not to say that he's a better manager than Xavi or Xavi's better than him. It's just difficult to compare the two. It's very, very difficult to compare them. But that Barcelona team were wildly underperforming in relation to where they were. And now they're about where they should be based upon the squad that they've got and based upon the games that they've played this season. I mean, did they not get... I mean, I was looking at what was going on in, in some of their games this season and the chances that they create for Bamiyang are perfect chances for him. They play a completely different way. So... Who knows? We, it's, it's very difficult to know about what obviously would have happened if it was the other way around and they might be playing a different pool. They might have signed different players in January. Who knows? But I just think that the comparisons are a little bit wild to be making. The issue has always been, I never had an issue with Aubameyang leaving. The issue was not replacing him. I think most people can see that that was what was the issue with that one. Um, we are going to wrap things up there. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. As I've mentioned a couple of times already, you're not only going to have this show today, but you'll be able to watch Mikel Arteta's press conference a little bit later on this afternoon as well. We might also have a team predictor as well coming out a little bit later. Also ahead of the Chelsea game, plenty to discuss and talk about ahead of what is an absolute must grab something because we can't afford to drop more points in the league, which we never thought we'd be saying about this Chelsea game. Bailey, thank you so much, mate, for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thank you, TC, CD, and guys in the comment section as always. Absolutely. Chris, always a pleasure, my friend. Cheers, Tom. Thank you, Bailey. Pleasure as always. And um, thank you to everyone tuning in. I hope everyone has a great day. Absolutely. We'll see you soon, guys. Have a great evening, morning, afternoon, wherever you happen to be listening. And we'll see you soon. And as always, keep following us down the Arsenal way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.